What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. YouTube, TikTok, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 50. 50. That's crazy. Two mm-hmm. more until uh, a whole year has gone by, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but we're at the half a century mark. We we're kind of... Oh, Brett's here as well. Yeah. Hello. Hello, everybody. Uh but we were kind of limited on our favorite number 50s, Skylar Witchers. Yeah, uh, it's leaning towards the Admiral, David Robinson. Uh, of course, we got to shout out AJ Hawk, though, podcast mm-hmm. legend. That uh, is true. Uh, Mike Swingletary is another notable number 50, but kind of due to the limited supply, I think I got to go with the Admiral, Dave Robinson. Dave Robinson. I'd go, I'd go Singletary with his his great coaching tenure with the 49ers. That's true. He did have mm-hmm. a very legendary speech in there. So yeah, that well, is a great true. player for Alex's yeah. favorite team. Yes. That's true. Now let's get to the opener, shall we? Let's go. Awesome. So my opener, it's a little preseason football. Uh Nate Hobbs, rookie cornerback for the Raiders, uh, fifth round pick out of University of Illinois had a very good game in the first game against the Seahawks where he uh, broke up a pass and also had a sack against Geno Smith. And he continued that good preseason uh, with another pass defense, uh, another tackle for a loss, an interception, and he also got a hand on a field goal as well. So, I mean, it's not too often that you see DBs play well for the Raiders. And I know it's just preseason, so I don't want to overreact, but definitely some encouraging signs in a season from Nate Hobbs. Yeah. Well, I'm also going with the preseason. My boy, Zach Wilson was solid against the Packers nine for 11, 128 yards, two touchdowns, both the Tyler Croft. It's nice to see, like you said, it's just preseason. You can't overreact, but it's nice to see uh, guys throwing the crap out of the ball. You know, when we haven't had that from that position in a very long time. Yeah, for me, I'm going to switch it up from preseason to preseason last week. I'm going with Miguel Cabrera hitting his 500th home run in Toronto, opposite field, classic Miguel Cabrera swing. I think we're going to talk about this a bit more later, so I won't get into it too much. But surefire, first ballot Hall of Famer hitting his 500th home run. It's it's Miguel Cabrera. There's not much else to say. Yes, sir. Yeah. Got to go good as 99, and that will be the show if you're playing that. Uh, But I think we already do have it. Uh, Anyways. Let's get to where's your head at. And the story of baseball right now is the New York Yankees. They're winners of 10 in a row. I believe they're tied right now with the Braves uh, in the fourth inning or something like that. So we'll see uh, where that's at once this episode has ended and once it's posted on Spotify. Uh, but the Yankees are winners of 10 in a row. They sit in the first wild card spot right now. Uh, still a few games back of the Rays for the divisional lead. But are they the team to beat in the AL now following their, their great run? Yeah, it's hard to go against the Yankees here, but I still think it's Tampa Bay. Um, Loss of glass now is tough, but uh, the young guys have stepped up. Wander Franco, another great week. Um, And the thing about this this take for me is the Yankees don't play Tampa Bay until October. Uh, Tampa Bay has got two series against Detroit coming up, series against Baltimore, Miami, and Minnesota. Uh, I just like their odds a little better. Uh, just to clarify the question, are you talking about the AL East or all of the AL? AL in general. Okay, so to go on the AL East, I, I agree with Skyler. I think the Rays are still going to win that division. However, I think the Yankees, if hot, are a scarier team. And in the bigger picture of the whole AL, 
I actually like the White Sox and Astros, I think, a little bit more. I love what the White Sox did at the deadline, getting a couple bullpen guys, Cesar Hernandez. And personally, I think the White Sox are the best team in the AL right now. So I'd have to say they're the team to beat. Uh, I, I mean, as of right now, I really don't think there's a reason to not say that the Yankees are the team to beat just because how good they've been playing. I mean, the Yankees have these stretches where they just like look unbeatable and are unbeatable for a long time. Uh, usually it's not this late into the year to what we think that the Yankees get to that point. But now that they are, I mean, it's, it's especially even more scary now because, I mean, playoffs are only a month away. And if they continue this hot stretch, obviously they're going to lose some games. But they're if they still continue to play the 700 uh, winning percent baseball that they've played over the last month and a half, it's, it's definitely going to be scary for the rest of the league. And if they do continue to play that, I have no reason seeing why they don't catch the Rays in the division. I know it's a four-game lead, and I know the Rays are super, super consistent at not having super long, bad stretches or anything like that. The only thing that's concerning to me is that they don't have any direct way to make up ground until that last three games against the Rays. And the Rays actually tend to play pretty good baseball against the Yankees. So as of right now, I do think the Yankees are the best team in the AL besides the Astros. But fuck, I don't even know. Because I want to say that they'll take the AL East, but it just seems so improbable. But it seemed even more improbable uh, a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, it's a tough one because you have to kind of like predict if they're going to stay hot or not, which for me personally, I think at some point they'll come a little bit more down to earth. But at the same time, if they continue this hot stretch into the playoffs, then I definitely do think they're the team to beat. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Yankees win the AL East. I'll start with that. All right, I'll end with that, actually. And on to our next topic now. This one sucks. Uh, yeah. So we saw the A's and Giants series. I mean, it wasn't fun for us as A's fans. We blew a couple leads uh, in the eighth and ninth innings due to ho- home runs with runners on base. And then I mean, this wasn't in our notes, but we also played the Mariners the last two days and just looked awful in those games as well. I mean, is this just a sign of worse things to come for our Oakland A's, man? Uh, like you said, you know, it hurts to say, but we got to be honest here. I had them missing the playoffs for a reason. Uh, the lack of timely hitting and the bullpen is horrendous right now. Uh, it's not looking great. Yeah, I'm... I normally get mad at Skyler when he's, yeah. you know, negative about the A's. But if if I'm being real with myself here, I think the A's are in trouble. The Red Sox are starting to play a little better. Right now, I believe the A's are two games back of the wildcard spot as of yesterday, at least. I know we lost again today to the Mariners, uh, who are also pushing, and I believe are right behind the A's now. But as far as things to come for Oakland, bullpen struggling, not a lot of timely hitting. Most of our home runs are solo home runs. There's, there's just not a lot going right for the A's right now. Yeah, I mean, you can be mad at the bullpen, and I think that's a reasonable thing to to be mad at. But especially when you look at Sunday's loss and you look at Monday's loss where you lose a game 5-3, uh, to three, uh, but you were up 2-3 to three going into the ninth. And then you also look Sunday's game where you were up one nothing going into the eighth inning before Puck gives run up support. the run. Yeah. It's definitely more on the offense at that point because, I mean, if you're scoring one to three runs a game, you're not going to win that many games, especially if you're going against the Giants. Uh, the Mariners, you can get away with it sometimes, but, I mean, still, they have, like, the highest percent of games in MLB history where they've won at the last at-bat, which is kind of crazy, so you always have to 
make sure that you have uh, a decent lead against them. And obviously a one run lead isn't going to get that done. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but it doesn't look good. And if the Red Sox just decide to be a competent team, once again, I think they'll take that spot, which is unfortunate. But I mean, well, what other take is there for us to make? Because they don't really aren't, aren't really giving us much other option. I mean, selling Marte is obviously amazing, but we can't really do anything besides him. No. Nope. So the Giants won those two games against the A's. But the Dodgers are the team that are gaining on them. I mean, Dodgers are getting hot. They they lost the last game against the, the Mets, but they were on a nine-game win streak before that. I mean, the Giants are still hot. Obviously, they've been hot this whole season. But they're not, like, in, in the crazy hot stretch right now where they're going 9-1 over 10 games. They're 7-3, and three, which is obviously still very good, but it's it's been casual for them to go 7-3. and three. I, I think they still have six more games against the Dodgers the rest of the year. So what's going to happen in that division? And will the Dodgers pass up the Giants? This is another one of those things I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for. And it just never happens. And I'm finally going to say it. It's not going to happen. All right. The Giants are doing the complete opposite of what the A's are doing. It's funny how they, you know, we saw it in action with that series against each other. Uh, it's the timely hitting in the bullpen for the giants that it's going to help them win this division. Yeah. I, I, I don't see the Dodgers passing up the giants as hot as the Dodgers are. The giants haven't really had a cold stretch all year or haven't given us any reason to doubt them at this point. I, I'm in the same boat as Skyler a month ago. I probably would have said the Dodgers are going to pass and the giants are going to come back down to earth. Cause if you look at that roster, they shouldn't be as good as they are yet. They're still here. I mean, there, there's something magical about this team. I don't say that often, but there's something there's something about this Giants team that just seems different. So, I think, uh, I mean, obviously I've watched the Giants a lot this year, but I, I definitely got a better understanding of their team when they play against the A's because I feel like the tension in each at-bat rather than just watching it is like a purely just a fan basis. Everybody on their team is dangerous. Like no matter if you're facing righties or lefties, like Darren Ruff was hitting hitting eighth against righties, and he doesn't hit righties like crazily well, but it's still something that's like like this guy can go yard at any point. I mean Donovan Solano, he went yard against AJ Puck, but he's also not that guy that seems as like that threat, and he still is that guy for them, and he has very timely hitting for them. So. I mean, when you have timely hitting, pretty much anything's possible. And so, I mean, I said it a couple months ago as well that I was kind of done downing the Giants and, and how they play. And so I think I'm going to go with the rest, what the rest of the guys said and uh, says the Giants do keep on with that divisional, divisional lead. Now let's finish up the first half with a little bit of weekly awards, shall mm-hmm. we? Skyler, who's your player of the week? Another one that hurts. Uh, my player of the week is going to Ty France. He had 440, four homers, seven RBIs. Man, Ty France is back, boys. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've ever heard, heard Ty France being here, but he did have a great week. But I'm going to go with Ahmed Rosario. Hit 556, two homers, 10 hits, 1600 OPS. Great week. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ty France as well. I mean, he had the home run against the Astros to tie the game on Sunday. He had the home run against the A's on Monday to tie the game. 
So not only did he play well as far as average and home runs go and things like that, but he also had very, very timely hits for the Mariners and uh, in their quest to get to the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. Now up the pitcher side of the ball. My pitcher of the week is going to Max Freed. Uh, complete game shutout against Baltimore. I know it's Baltimore, but this is a guy who struggled a lot in the first half and a big reason why Atlanta is back in first place. Yeah, that was also, a Maddox too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I'm also going to Max Freed. The most impressive part, I think it was only 90 pitches. Not only was it a Maddox, but it was 10 under the 100 pitch count that would qualify it as a Maddox. Only four strikeouts, but who cares? Through nine innings of shutout baseball. I like the Max Freed pick, but I wanted to be a little different here. And I'm going with the timeless Adam Wainwright. I mean, eight innings. That's his fourth time this year going over, or at least eight innings in a start. Uh, nine strikeouts, zero runs, two hits. I forget who this was against, but it doesn't fucking matter. Like Adam Wainwright is Adam Wainwright. And he's unbelievable. And that whole Cardinals team is just like, I mean, I know they're not playing the greatest this year, but they are completely timeless. Told you they'd be a sleeper. I'm not talking about a a spoiler more like they could be a spoiler. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I mean, Yachty's timeless. Obviously he just got an extension today. Uh, And then Wayno, these guys never leave. All right. Lastly, the rookie of the week. All right. This is kind of a makeup pick for last week because obviously a rookie threw a no hitter. This guy couldn't get it, even though he pitched a gem, but Tristan McKenzie pitched another gem, seven innings, one run, eight Ks against the Angels. Uh, he's the man. Yeah, I'm going with Mitch White of the L.A. Dodgers, who I believe is a primarily a relief pitcher. and made a start through seven and a thirds innings, no runs, six strikeouts. You know, I don't think that actually was a start. I'm pretty sure it was out of the bullpen. Was that out of the bullpen? Either way, sure very impressive. Seven yeah. and a third innings over a week, so either way. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure I remember seeing his stats saying it was like the first time a reliever has gone seven plus innings, allowing like two or less hits and no runs or something like that in like 50 years or something like that. But <laughs> I don't know. Good for him. I uh, figured I'd throw that in there. And my rookie of the week is the number one prospect in all of baseball or former no longer prospect in all of baseball because Atlee Rutchin, Rutchman is actually now the number one. But Wander Franco, he is going off now. He's finally heating up. The number one prospect hype is behind him, and he's finally that dude for the Rays. Nine for 20, four doubles, and he only struck out once. I mean, he didn't have any home runs. He only had five RBI. I mean, five RBIs is still good in a week, uh, but usually not what we see in these Rookie of the Week awards. But one strikeout and 20 major league at-bats is something that is quite notable, especially when you're hitting at the pace that he does and with the power that he has. So he is my rookie of the week. All right. You want to go to halftime? Yeah, let's go to halftime. Let's do it. And we're going to keep rolling, right? Of course. All right. So to start off halftime, I want to talk about the state of the rookie quarterbacks. And I'm going to keep this one just the, the five first rounders for now. We'll get into some of the other ones, but uh, I kind of, I grouped these guys together. Uh, I'll start off with the first group, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, guys that have serious mechanical issues right now that I don't think should start week one. What do you guys think about that? I agree. As, as a Niner fan, I agree on the Trey Lance should not be starting week one. I know a lot of Niner fans out there believe he should be. He has put up together good numbers. But there are some things he needs to work on. He's right now, he, 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 
I, it's kind of a weird comparison, but uh, Colin Kaepernick, actually, I don't even know if someone's weird, but when Kaepernick was rolling, uh, Kaepernick, had, he, he didn't put touch on the ball. He, mm-hmm. he didn't know his arm strength, which caused a lot of drops on his receivers. Right now, Trey Lance is showing some of that. He doesn't know how to have touch and finesse, especially on passes over the middle, which this week resulted in an interception. He threw it behind a couple of receivers on plays that they were wide open. There's a few little things that he needs to fix. And if he does, he's going to be a great quarterback in this league for years to come. But for right now, we have Jimmy Garoppolo, who I still think is an above average starter in this league. We'd love to see Jimmy. Trey Lance, who will get a shot at, one, at some point this season, can ride a few weeks on the bench. Who was the second quarterback that you mentioned? Trey Trevor Lance Lawrence. And- Trevor All Lawrence. Right. All right. So first off, Trey Lance, I watched how he played on Sunday, and he played really, really well once he got like comfortable and set into the game. But before that, he was missing on a lot of throws that he definitely should be making. As Brett said, he was behind some guys. The touch wasn't really there. And for that reason, I do think that he should take a couple weeks, not off, but a couple weeks as the backup before he comes in for Jimmy G. Uh, and also, like I, the touch is something he needs to work on, but maybe not something as big as one might think because yeah. eventually not only – our wide receiver is going to be like ready for the ball. They're going to know how hard Trey Lance likes to chuck the ball and they're going to get used to it. And I, I mean, he's going to have to tone it down just a little bit because you can't always mm-hmm. catch a hundred mile an hour football coming at you. But I mean, it's not going to be that crazy because eventually that is going to be something that he's going to be really, really good at. If he I, I think the bigger problem was the, 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 the timing and throwing behind receivers. I, I think the touch mm-hmm. is something – it was just as much on the receivers, but still something he can probably work on. Yeah, and the thing with the touch like that, like when you're throwing the ball that hard, if you're throwing it that hard at that close distance, like you can, but you have to be super, super accurate. You have to put it in the mm-hmm. breadbasket every single time. You can't throw it up. You can't throw it down. You can't throw it behind, and you can't make wide receivers completely go out and lunge for the ball. Uh, that's why it's just, I think it takes a little bit of time, a little bit more understanding of how these wide receivers run routes and a little bit more understanding on the wide receivers part of how Trey Lance likes to throw the football. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. So, uh, I didn't watch that game too closely last night, but it looked like I will he got fill you up in. a little bit. So it seems to me he, he hasn't gotten settled in yet. It could be the O-line, like you said, but it seems like mm-hmm. he's just stiff. You know, he hasn't made a good pass in the pocket yet his entire you know preseason tenure which is alarming to me yeah i watched i watched one or a couple series of that game but there was one that really stood out on the trevor lawrence front mm-hmm. uh i believe they were they were on the 30 yard line i believe uh, uh who were they playing uh, saints yeah saints yeah. saints they're on the saints 30 and the first the first snap he takes first down he throws it out the back of the end zone uh, he threw it away too early. There wasn't a lot of pressure on him. The second snap, he did almost the exact same thing. And then the third snap, he held on the ball for too long in a pocket that was collapsing and took a sack that took him out of field goal range. I believe their kicker hit the upright. Yep. But I don't think, while it might be smart to sit him, I don't think they will sit him or can sit him. This mm-hmm. is, you know, the prodigy this kid's been. I know, it's the golden boy. You're right. Years. But the mm-hmm. problem is he just... I think they're going to lose by 50 if they throw him out there week one, you know? Mm. I, mean, I don't I think Jacksonville's in a, in a good state regardless of who they throw out there right now because Trevor Lawrence isn't going to make your team mm. be – I mean, he will. I think he will eventually in his career get to that point where he makes your team a really, really good team and attracts free agents, blah, 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 and all that jazz. 
Uh, but as of right now, I mean, no matter what Trevor Lawrence does, that team's not going to win more than five, six games this year. Like it, at hundred percent best, they're not winning more than five, six games this year, especially with the ETN injury that we'll talk about in a, in a little bit. But I mean, yeah, it is kind of startling to see that Trevor Lawrence isn't just lighting up teams in preseason. But then again, we also have to remember that this dude is a young kid who is playing in his first professional football games. And he's yeah. had this whole spotlight on him, his whole career, ever since he's been in high school. I mean, we know that he responded to the pressure before, but maybe just being in the NFL is a little bit different. And I don't want to overreact is what I'm trying to say as far okay. as how he's performing. And I guess to wrap it up, I will just say, I see a lot of signs of what happened with Joe Burrow last year. And I think if they don't make some changes, the same thing's going to happen. He's going to get hurt. Oh, you mean yeah. on like on the offensive line front? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that was kind of inevitable. And play calling too. The play, Urban Meyer's play calling is terrible. I don't think Urban Meyer will be a good coach in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see. I wasn't looking at the play calling at all, so uh-huh. I really don't know how that was. Uh, but yeah, on to the next one. All right, let's go on to the next group. Uh, this next group is going to be Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, guys who have looked pretty good so far, but we want to see them and we feel like we have to see them against starting defenses before we make any decisions at all, good or bad. Um, I'll start with Mac Jones, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, I, I haven't got the chance to watch a lot of Mac Jones. The the, the highlights, I, sh- I haven't well, I haven't watched tape. I've seen highlights, which yeah. I know isn't a great way to evaluate a guy. It's it's all right. It's his of, first game. Of all the guys I've seen, the rookies at least, I, I feel like he's looked the most poised, and I don't know if that's because of you know the Belichick system. Uh, I believe he's been running with the starters, so he has the starting offensive line. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not positive on that because I know Cam Newton had the COVID thing. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I don't have a lot to say about Mac Jones yet. I, I need to watch him more. So I feel like it's unfair of me to give yeah. him an assessment, but I, I think Cam Newton, if he's back, will be the starter. But at some point, Mac Jones should be the starter. Cause it's, I don't think Cam Newton's that good. And Jones is a first round pick. So I did see something saying with uh, Cam Newton being out that, that he, Mac Jones is obviously going to be running with the first team in practice and in games and stuff, or in this preseason game, at least. But that doesn't relate to my point at all. Uh, what I was going to say is Zach Wilson or Mac Jones has something that Zach Wilson does not. And that's insurance. I mean, Zach Wilson can be as bad as he, however, could be and still start week one because the Jets don't have literally anybody else to start week one. They're not going to start James Morgan. and They're not going to start Mike White because if they do, it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't believe in Zach Wilson over these guys? Like, that's yeah. a lot to say. And, I mean, even though Cam Newton, I mean, he's he's, he's pretty fucking washed. Uh, Matt, that's He's still an NFL-caliber quarterback that started a lot of games last year. So, I mean, there is that insurance policy for Mac Jones that if, hey, they don't, want, don't feel like he's 100% ready week one, let's go start Cam Newton, uh, see how that goes, and then – Phil and Mac Jones when need be. Uh, but I do think both those guys, even though they're, I feel like they're going to be completely different players in the NFL, I do feel mm-hmm. like they've going to be, they're both going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think this is one we just got to wait and see, but I think both of these guys should be starting. Mm-hmm. All right. And then the last one, it's just one guy, uh, Justin Fields. He's in the wild card for me. We've seen shades of great. 
We see shades of really bad. I feel like uh, people's opinions on him are split 50-50. That's why he's in his own category. I personally think he should have been named the starter week one just because of, you know, he. I think it's safe to say he has the best uh, supporting cast out of all these guys. And you don't want to lose the locker room. But uh, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I'd like to disagree. I think that Trey Lance probably is the best supporting cast. Um, it, it's close. I, I think the Bears are ahead of the Jets, uh, Patriots, and uh, Jaguars. But I, I take Trey Lance in that situation. But as far as Justin Fields goes, it's kind of like I haven't got a chance to watch a lot of them. I've seen highlights, and I also saw him get absolutely blown up by a Bills edge rusher where he lost his helmet. Um, so once again, I feel like it's kind of unfair for me to make an assessment of him, but I'll make an assessment of Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's never going to be that guy. So if the bears do decide to start Andy Dalton, it won't and shouldn't be for long. So Justin Fields, probably by week three, even if he doesn't start week one, will be the starting quarterback for Chicago. Yeah. I've never really been a big fan in general of starting, uh, rookie QBs week one. And I don't really understand that when Derek Carr uh, first came into the league. I mean, Derek Carr started from week one, his first year, even though he was a second round pick, which I mean, at this point, like looking back on it, it seems actually kind of crazy. But I mean, I always think it's good to see the have the rookies take a not a game off, but a game on the sidelines to understand what the whole NFL scene is like and take it all in and then get their their feet wet and then put them into the game or whenever they need to. So I think Andy Dalton should start week one. I mean, I don't know how much longer after that, but Justin Fields is going to be special in my mind. I will end this conversation with one quote. Aaron Rodgers said he learned more in one regular season game than three years of being behind Brett Favre. Which makes sense. I mean, seeing live defenders run at you is a lot different than seeing it in film or on the sidelines. Yeah. All right. uh, Speaking of Aaron oh. Rodgers, before we move on, I yeah. know Jordan Love played amazing his first week. How did he play this week? Did he play at all? He's hurt. I, I didn't hear. Okay. He's hurt, yeah. yeah. He's hurt. So I didn't hear anything about him. This uh, week, so. He got hurt in the scrimmage against the Jets. SMH. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> another thing we got to talk about, uh, speaking of rookie quarterbacks, Carson Wentz took one look at Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger and said, uh, okay, I might be ready for week one now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I kind of like it. I feel like this isn't great for his long-term career plans, but he, he sees what's going on in Indy. He sees there's a, a spot open for a division winner this year. Uh, so I think, of course, this will drastically change the Colts' approach to the season. If I'm the Colts, though, there's no way I'm rushing him back. And I, I think there might be this might be a situation where Wentz feels like he might be ready, but the Colts are kind of hesitant. So it's going to be like, you know, which side gets what they want. If I'm the Colts, I, I don't know the timetable or exactly how Wentz is feeling. For all I know, he could be he could be right. He could be ready. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like rushing back a guy who you just traded for to be your number one quarterback and worth or risk losing him for, you know, half season, a full season isn't worth it for one week, one game. Whether it was the QB or the the Colts themselves, I think they've had too many bad situations Mm. when it comes to QB injuries over the last 10 years to 
to rush back Carson Wentz, especially with the team that they have and the ability that they have to win games even without Carson Wentz. I mean, you got to at least give him the time that he, not that he thinks that he needs, but he actually needs uh, to to get healthy unless it's like 12 weeks. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but week one, I don't think Wentz should be starting week one. All right. And there's one more quarterback battle I want to talk about. Uh, I did originally have the Denver battle, Bridgewater and Locke, but they both had identical stats pretty much so far through two games playing with both the first and second team. So I, I don't really feel like we need to talk about it again. We're going to have the same opinions. Mm -hmm. So this is the saints, Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill. Uh, Jameis Winston obviously uh, was a little gunslingery in his last game, but he threw two touchdowns. Yes. Uh, Nine for 10 and Taysom Hill, of course, with the backups, but was really inaccurate through pick was running for his life. Uh, I think Jameis Winston is the clear starter here. I'm sticking with my pick of Jameis Winston and you have Taysom Hill. If you want to, you know, run wildcat dual system, whatever, but uh, it's mm-hmm. gotta be Jameis Winston week one, right? From what we saw the last couple of years where Taysom Hill, you know, come in on those weird packages, that's where he was most effective. Mm-hmm. I, they won the games where he started last year, but as a quarterback, he wasn't the most effective passer. He, he ran the ball successfully, you know, had a couple rushing touchdowns, but I think that those packages that Sean Payton draws up for him are where he's best and w- where he's most effective. Because I, I think he does have issues as a pure quarterback. Winston does as well. But I think Winston's more of a pure quarterback than Taysom Hill will ever be. So I mm-hmm. think the Saints are smartest if they use Hill as that gadget guy. You know, they might see a series with them. They might, you know, just run a couple of plays where Winston's still out on the field. But that's where I think the Saints will have the most success. Yeah, the wildcat of Taysom Hill is what makes him good. I think as a, as a complete player... Taysom Hill is is above average NFL player, but he's not that that good as himself. Uh, but the ability to just set a change of pace from originally what you thought the game plan was is what made him so good. And not only would he be able to run the ball, but he'd be able to throw the ball 45 yards downfield if they needed to, or if they wanted to give it to somebody else and have him catch the ball, he just make it makes it like a matchup nightmare because you just don't know what to do with him. But when you when he's out there every single play, you kind of know that, oh, this guy, he's our starting quarterback. He's not going to be running routes for them in mid-game. Yeah. He's not going to be running. I mean, he is running for them, but not going to be running with them at the same intensity and stuff like that as he would if he got the ball three times in a game. So I, I definitely got to go Winston here. All right. So Travis Etienne from the Jaguars found out he's got a fracture in his foot. He's out for at least 12 weeks uh they're saying probably for the year which is not very good for trevor lawrence and the jaguars and urban meyer but it's pretty good for uh james robinson's fantasy stock and carlos Hyde too yeah i mean it sucks to see etn out because yeah. he was going to be that cool little gadget guy on a on jaguars office and could have been a focal point of their offense if he was healthy obviously now James Robinson obviously looks like he's going to be the lead back and get a lot more production. We'll see how that goes for Jacksonville. We already talked about what we think Jacksonville's outlook is going to be this year as far as record-wise. So, I mean, record-wise, I only think this is going to help them in the sense that you get a better pick, but obviously it's going to hurt them in the way that you don't get to use this cool, fun guy that you drafted in the first round. Mm. 
Yeah, every, everything I'd heard out of camp is that not only were they using Etienne as a, a guy out of the backfield to both run and catch passes, but they were using him as a slot receiver. They were doing a lot of different things with him. Uh, I think they were expecting him to be a huge part of that offense. Maybe not the lead back, but definitely a guy who's going to split time in the backfield as well as get receptions. A guy Trevor Lawrence knows and trusted that will no longer be there. Hurts him, hurts the team. But like Kyle said, it's it's not necessarily a huge aren't necessarily a bad thing for the Jaguars who aren't going to be good anyways. The only thing they lose is, you know, a year of development. Yeah. Tough loss for Jacksonville. And uh, I'm going to go a little off topic here, um, but still related to sports. Uh, Madden 22 released this week, uh, last week, actually. Um, I've had an interesting time playing franchise, but ultimate team really bummed me out. Uh, I know you guys have some strong opinions, so go ahead. My opinions probably aren't as strong. Your guys is I'm not as huge as a Madden guy as I am like a 2K guy. The only the only thing I really really like about Madden is the franchise mode. I've had mixed opinions. I I'm not really the guy to you know talk about this. You and Kyle are, but I haven't I haven't even looked at a uh, ultimate team yet. I'm I'm not yeah. going to do that at all unless I'm unless I'm the special teams coordinator. Hey, we do got to do uh, an online franchise though. We do. We do. We do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ultimate team. I mean, I'm kind of a guy that's like, you know, one year I'm in ultimate team, one year I'm out, one year I'm super committed, one year I'm not. Uh, it's kind of very wishy-washy for me. And this year I was say, saying, hey, let's give it a shot. I mean, ultimate team is just complete money grab mode. And after playing MLB, when you don't have to spend any money to get good team, yeah, to get a good team, it, it just takes it all out of you for like the, the stuff that they're like they make you pay a hundred dollars to get maybe a couple of leaps or something like that. So you don't get anything good from the stuff that they give you. And the game itself is just so bad. I mean, when you look at the competitive side of it, like competitive Madden is one of the least fun competitive esports that there is just cause it's so it's the same thing over and over and over again. People just running the ball. People just running the same plays on offense, same plays on defense with different counters and blah, 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 blah. Glitchy blitzes. And the game itself is terrible. Like they, the the gameplay is completely off. There's glitches every single year, and not only are there glitches, because I understand glitches at the beginning of the year. There's every single game that you ever play, no matter sports, Call of Duty, whatever it is. There's always going to be glitches at the beginning of the year because it's a new game, and it's going from being played by a couple hundred devs or whatever, how many you have, to millions of people, obviously. And so there's going to be things that are found and exploited and stuff like that. But when it's the same damn things every single year with Madden, it's over five years. It's just like, do you guys even work on this game? They need what I think they need to do is they need to get rid of frostbite. Their, their, their graphics thing, engine, whatever you want to call it. And just completely start the game from scratch. Uh, Or 2k is going to take it and do something else. I think they already got the licensing. I mean, they should. The 2K is a, a game that, I mean, it's it's pretty much rinse and repeat for 2K as well, but at least they fix up some of the things, uh, and the, the meta in each year is always different, seems like. I mean, two, 2K also, like, you have different neighborhoods each year. Like, they're trying to integrate stuff. Gameplay is often very similar, but, like, th- there's always something new in 2K that you have to look forward to. Like, this year, mm-hmm. we're going to be able to be rappers with our oh, players. Yeah. Like, Madden, Madden doesn't do that. It's literally the same game, just with a different number on the front. All right. 
All righty. Uh, now on to the baseball side of halftime. We got a couple of things to talk about before we get to the third third quarter. I mean, second half. Uh, the first thing is Francisco Lindor being back in the Mets lineup. I mean, I really don't know how much that has helped them because they are losing seven to nothing this game and uh, Lindor's first game back. But I mean, nonetheless, Javi Baez and Frankie Lindor have their first game as teammates together in the MLB, which is exciting. I mean, if I'm a Mets fan, maybe this gives us life. Uh, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's always depressing uh, when you're on that side in New York. Yeah, I think it's a little just too little too late for the Mets. Lindor hasn't been that good this year. He's not going to make a huge difference if they're going to make a playoff push, which they aren't going to. So, No, yeah. this team's all the ground. All righty. Now into the Little League World Series. Uh, first time we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but this is always kind of fun to watch on ESPN. You know, when I'm at work, I'll turn on the channel to ESPN, see what's going on there with the, the 12-year-old someone high ched and hitting bombs out of the ballpark. Uh, first off, there's this kid from South Dakota, I think it is, mm-hmm. uh, like Weir, Corey Weir or something like that. He's faced 50 batters in the Little League World Series and the regional, and he struck out 45 of them. So this kid's just going crazy. Is he the same one that's allowed like one hit the lefty? No, I think that's yeah. a, that's is that the, the same guy? Mm-hmm. Is it the same kid? I know there was there was a kid from New Jersey who gave up like three hits all summer. Yeah, um, I, I I saw. A st- I don't know if it's I don't the same know if he's kid, still but, in, but it, it was like forty nine innings pitched or something like that. Like w- literally one hit allowed. It was a ridiculous. Stat. I don't yeah. know if it's the same kid, but I saw highlights of him. So it was a lefty dude. Yeah. Dude can chuck it. He was yeah, throwing like Chris cracked. Sale. No, he had mm-hmm. good off-speed stuff, and it was like break, like snapping hard. And it was like, okay, this kid's gonna get Tommy John one day. But Tommy John doesn't always hurt people; it actually makes them throw harder. Uh, but then again, not promoting people to snap their arms. Uh, but let's look. Let's take a look at what's going on in the Little League World Series. Uh, so there's a loser bracket because there is double elimination, but there's also the winners bracket. We'll go over the losers bracket first. There's two sides of the bracket as well. There's the Hank Aaron and the Tom Seaver. Because uh, there's no international teams this year uh, with COVID restrictions, so on the Hank Aaron side of the losers bracket is Nebraska versus Texas. The loser of that game, uh, this game is tomorrow actually. Uh, the loser is out. The winner moves on to play the winner of Michigan and Hawaii, which is the winners bracket game. I'm not sure how it works uh, in the winners bracket with like the double losses or something like that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then there's also on the Tom Seaver side where there is Ohio waiting to play the winner of New Hampshire and Oregon in the loser's bracket. And then in the winner's bracket on that side, there's California and South Dakota, which that lefty is on. I don't know if he's pitching because he actually, I don't know. He might've pitched on the 20th, which would probably make him available to pitch on the 25th, which mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if you, you don't have anything to watch or you want to watch some baseball and you want to see perhaps a young phenom go watch that kid pitch. Cause he's probably going to K the whole team. Yeah. That's all I got. As far as the league world series goes, I got any stats for you. So sorry about that. Uh, but Maggie 500 is the biggest thing that uh, probably to talk about uh, first time somebody's hit 500 home runs in a couple of years. Uh, Maggie's been amazing. His whole career. He actually just hit, number 501 into Big Mac land in St. Louis. Hmm. Absolutely crushed that one third deck. I mean, but what a career from Miguel Cabrera. I mean, his career accolades I have right here, two-time MVP, obviously had that triple crown. 
11-time All-Star, 2003 World Series champ, silver, seven-time Silver Slugger, four-time batting title, and uh, TSN, whatever that is, they named him the Major League Player of the Year twice. That uh, is the Canadian ESPN. Ah, uh, yeah. that makes more sense. Mm. First ballot Hall of Famer, I think. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting, though, when we get the the first ballot year where we have Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, and Yadier Molina sitting right next to each other. Are all three of those guys first ballot Hall of Famers? The only one that might be a question is Yadier. The other two are 100%, but I, I personally believe Yadier is a first ballot as well. No complaints there. Looking at Yachty's stats, because I, I wasn't 100% sure right off the bat, but looking at I mean, he's got the 2,000 hits, which is a big check mark. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have a lot of home runs, only 168 home runs. Uh, but 10-time All-Star, he has two rings, obviously, nine-time gold glover, four-time platinum glove. Did he's he ever get it. suspended for uh, PEDs? I know his brothers did. I don't believe he did. I don't, I don't uh, recall that. I mean, uh, I mean, look, looking at his games year by year, I really don't see a time that he could have gotten suspended because he's played at least 110 games in every season uh, that he right. could have uh, since 2004. And I mean, catchers wouldn't have played more than, than about 110, 140 yeah. games. Max yeah, that whole year. Right. Another thing about Yachty, I think we talked about it a little bit with Joey Votto last week. He's a guy that's good with the media, which always helps when it comes to no Hall of Fame voting time. Yeah, uh, except for that one time when he, uh, you know, was drunk on his flight to the All Star Game and was cursing out the Astros for their hit on Jonathan Lucroy <laughs> a couple years ago. But besides that, he's good. Uh, that was out of passion for the game. Exactly, and alcohol. Uh, <laughs> now let's send it over to the second half. Uh, yeah. Where we got a couple tweets that we're going to react to just like we did last week. Uh, I mean, I only have four tweets this week. It's not the whole six or seven that I had last week because we do have some other things that we want to talk about. Those are a little lengthy. Uh, first one, it's a Skip Bayless tweet. What I still haven't figured out about Trevor Lawrence is, was he a great college QB on a great team, or is he special enough to turn a bad NFL team into a playoff team? Can he lift an NFL team on talent alone without dynamic leadership? Not sure yet. Do we think Skip Bayless is on to something here about, uh, not on something because he's obviously not sure, but what do you, what do you think the, the Trevor Lawrence outcome is going to be like? We talked about his, is like very soon future, but what do you think mm. Trevor Lawrence's career is going to be like once we get five gears down the road? I think Trevor Lawrence will be successful in the NFL. I think he'll have a solid NFL career, but you know, I never understood the Andrew Luck Peyton Manning comparisons. I never saw it from him. He plays really stiff. I also think that Lawrence will be very good eventually, but I think he he's not a guy like I think you've put Mahomes on a bad team. Mahomes will still have a good season and turn a bad team into a mediocre team. I don't know if Lawrence is that guy. I think he's going to need some more pieces around him to find a lot of success. Right now, I I don't think he'll have crazy success. I still think he will be a good quarterback. I don't think like he'll have like horrible stats where he you know throws more interceptions and touchdowns or something weird like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's a guy that's ever going to be able to single handedly 
carry a team. But then again, it's early. I mean, all we've seen, he's a rookie. Skylar said it earlier. Mm. So he still has a lot of time to grow and improve. I mean, it's so early that it is very hard to make a take, like Brett said. But I so badly want this to be the case with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's been such a fun talent to watch over the last five years as far as his high school and his uh, college career and how storied it is and all the national champions chips all that stuff all that jazz and all i i want to say yes i mean i i want to say yes so badly but we just don't know so i have to go with no unfortunately but that could obviously change also these tweets uh for listeners uh skylar and brett are just reacting off them this is the first time that they've heard them because these are just tweets that i saw throughout today and bouncing them off them so this is their initial reaction, if they have a wrong stat or something like that, don't press them or whatever. I it's, apologize. It is what it is. All right. This next one's from Field Yates. I'll be the first one. I'll be the first. Wait. I'll be the person brave enough to say it first. The Bears should start Justin Fields week one. Hashtag courage. I agree. I think they have nothing to lose. Allen Robinson is going to be gone next year. I think uh, they have a decent enough offensive line. Why not? I mean, but before Brett makes his point, I mean, yeah. I think Justin Fields is a big enough reason to maybe convince Allen Robinson, hey, you should stay. Maybe. Or is this just a, a pure cap thing? They just don't have money to spend on them. Well, I, I was thinking of a money standpoint, but I mean, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um. I personally don't think there's a lot of bad with starting. I I mentioned I'm not a huge Andy Dalton guy earlier. Mm. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who will win a Super Bowl or anything like that. Where I think Justin Fields very well could be. I think Justin Fields very talented. But I don't really see a problem with sitting a rookie QB the first couple weeks. I I don't. I, I think even if it's not great learning experience, there still is stuff to learn and watch, uh, you know, you're seeing all the ones play a full game. You see how the pace of a game works. Yes, you will learn more if you are actually in the game. I agree. But I, I don't think it's a bad thing. But geez, this is this is, this is is probably the toughest who, like, competition. I don't even know if it's a competition because the Bears have made it clear Dalton was their starter. But I, I don't know. I just don't see a problem with that right now. I wouldn't mind if – Field started or or started on the bench. So, I think Field should be on the bench just for one game. Doesn't have to be more than that. As I said earlier, I mean, I think it's a good thing for QBs to see their first regular season NFL crowd, uh, see the the meaningfulness in each game, and understand how big the pressure gets in those games. And seeing it from the sideline for the first one isn't too bad, even if you are like a big time prospect like Justin Fields. Yeah. I All think right. the only problem here is if uh, Andy Dalton struggles and you don't put him in yet. Well, yeah. I think if Andy Dalton struggles, it's, it's a quick hook. Exactly. Uh, and do we know, and you guys know if that first game for the bears is at home or away? I'm not sure. I mean, if Andy Dalton starts to struggle and then they put in Justin Fields, him running onto the field is going to be something that they're fucking pumped up about. I and maybe look. it could spark them. Uh, see. It looks like they are on the road versus the Rams week one with week oh. two at home versus the Bengals, which 
would be a pretty easy game for Justin Fields to yeah. make a debut in. And maybe in LA Sunday night, I believe that's when that game yes. is. Yes. Is maybe not the best decision to start Justin Fields against that I defense's first game. See yeah. where you're going so, with this. And I, I, I believe about. I believe one of you guys just I I already forget who, but you know, if Dalton struggles, it's easy to put Fields in, right? Mm-hmm. But a field struggle, I don't think it's quite as easy to put Dalton in to replace yeah. him. So I, I think that's something you have to take account. If you're a Bears fan, I, I think it's an easier transition to start Dalton first. Yeah, definitely. All righty. On to our next tweet, which is from Around the NFL. This is kind of an article that they had. Uh, and we're not going to go into the depths into the article, but they were talking about, can Justin Herbert be named MVP in his second pro season? Is that a possible? Is that going to happen? Or what do uh, I'm going to say no. <laughs> no, and I'm going to get more in depth into this in our next topic. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to stop it right there. I'm a huge Justin Herbert fan, but I think they're just candidates more likely. I think Josh Allen's going to have another amazing season. Patrick Mahomes is always going to be there. I just think there's other guys. Well, I think it is possible. I don't think it will happen. I hope it does not happen because that'd be bad for the Raiders. Uh just because, I mean, being in the same division as Justin Herbert, if he's an MVP guy and Patrick Mahomes is an MVP guy, that just doesn't bode well. Uh, but I like Justin Herbert as a QB himself. If he was in a different conference or playing away from the Raiders twice a year, I would be all for this. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think it could happen in a couple of years, but not right now. Our last tweet uh, is not actually NFL, it's college. So Skyler's actually going to really like this one. All right. Uh, so this, the original tweet is from Austin Gale. Uh, he looks like he works for Pro Football Focus. Oh boy. says, Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chadwell told me Grayson McCall played last season around 185. He's up to a legit 205 right now, a lot stronger and more explosive. And the quote tweet for this was my pick for the Joe Burrow slash Zach Wilson of 2022 in the way that, I mean, I'm assuming that he's saying that he just shoots up the draft stock yeah. uh, to top five pick. Grayson McCall is, is a legit QB prospect. Yes. Grayson McCall will be drafted. Definitely. Drafted? Drafted, drafted where? Yeah. Is he a top five pick type guy? I think we got to see this, uh, this Zach Wilson type season, but the projection is very nice for him. So well, I mean, has, I think the question is, do you believe he can have that season? Two yeah. years from now, I believe he will go in the first round. Two years from now? Yeah, he's a sophomore. Oh. Yeah. Is he a redshirt sophomore? No. Oh. Considering I watched about half a game of this guy against BYU last year, I believe. I don't know much about him, so I'm not even going to make an opinion on this. I suppose it could happen. It could not. I just I just don't know enough about him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like him. I don't know enough about him. Uh, yes. I mean, there's always Skyler's, a QB. Skyler's the guy for that. Exactly. That's why I kind of gave this question for. He's got a strong uh, arm and he breaks tackles. Oh, that's nice. He's uh, uh, today's quarterback. There we go. Uh, but it seems like there's a guy like this every single year in QB draft class. I mean, the guy in his tweet alone mentioned the two guys in the last two years. You can make a t- case for Trey Lance, but Trey Lance was kind of already that top prospect type guy when he was 
coming into that year. Mm. But nonetheless, a good question, and we will see as the year goes on how Macau plays. We have fantasy sleepers and fantasy busts now. We're going to mm-hmm. go through each position. We're not doing defense kickers and blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're just doing QBs, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. We're going to do our sleepers first. Who is your biggest QB sleeper in fantasy football, Skyler? All right. These are all just for the people who are listening, all PPR rankings. We play in PPR leagues. That's one point per reception. Yes. All right. So my sleeper quarterback is going to be Big Ben. His average draft position ADP is 160. You know, he, he's ranked about, I don't know, in the late 20s for quarterback rankings, which I think is ridiculous. He was number 11 last year. He's number six in strength of schedule this year against defenses. So got to go with Big Ben. Sorry. Oh, Big Ben. Sorry. Okay. Uh, should I go next for sleeper? Should Skyler do bust? All right. So for my sleeper, uh, this is definitely a little bit biased, but Trey Lance. The biggest question about Trey Lance is when he's going to start. But I believe when he does start, he's he's shown big playability. He ran for a thousand yards in a single season at North Dakota. He has that dual threat ability. You know, might see a couple touchdowns. Well, I think do I think he'll put up like Kyler Murray rushing numbers? No, I don't. But he's a guy that's going to have a very high upside. Well, he might have a lower floor. It just it's going to kind of depend on when he starts this year. But I think when he does, he's a very viable quarterback option. He's currently ranked number twenty-seven on DraftKings for PPR. So maybe a late round stash, low form waiver wire when he does start. Yeah, my fantasy sleeper. So I took all my my rankings from ESPN. So I'm going to have the mm. ESPN ranking as far as PPR positionals. Uh, so I took the 16th ranked ESPN QB in PPR. I mean, PPR doesn't really matter for QBs, I guess. But uh, I took Justin Fields. Uh, I think he has the legitimate shot to be a top eight QB in fantasy. And he's a guy that since you don't know if he's starting right away, might fall down a little bit in your draft. But also since he's Justin Fields, he might rise up in your draft, uh, depending on who's playing in your league with you. So, I'm, I mean, I think from 16 to 8, that's a pretty good sleeper. Uh, yeah. So Justin Fields is my pick as far as the biggest fantasy sleeper as a QB. All right. Now on to running back. All right. My running back is going to be J.D. McKissick. Obviously, Antonio Gibson brings great value. He's going to get a lot of touches this year. He will deservably, deservably go in the first or second round in everyone's leagues. But J.D. McKissick was RB17 last year. He's ranked 46th right now. He had 80 catches last year. I think even if this guy isn't starting at running back, he's going to get onto the field. You know, this is a guy you could take at the end of your draft who you aren't scared to put in your starting lineup after you get mm-hmm. some injuries, you know? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, to go off Skyler's point, McKissick's going to be a guy who I think if you take Gibson, this guy ultimate handcuff. Hand, handcuff, ultimate and handcuff. And surprisingly enough, my sleeper is I have two. I have a regular sleeper and a deep sleeper. Is Antonio Gibson? I, I saw him as number thirteen on DraftKings. I think this is a guy I'd be personally comfortable with taking towards the end of the first round. Uh, I think right now he's mid second to early third ish range. But last year was his first year as a running back. He took 33 snaps at the running back positions where he got a handoff in college. He played right receiver. I think he's only going to grow in that area. He's going to be a workhorse. McKissick will take some receptions from him. But Antonio Gibson's no slouch of a receiver himself. I think in a PPR format, 
with uh, Ron Rivera as head coach, where he coached Christian McCaffrey some of his best years. He's going to be possibly a top five upside guy who's currently ranked around 10 to 13. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the other one was Carlos Hyde. Uh, he's number 63 yes. with, um, uh, what's his name, ETN going out. Carlos mm-hmm. Hyde was already rumored to have a role in that offense, but you might see you know some more goal line touches with ETN out and just James Robinson ahead of him. Yeah, I'd also assume to see uh, Carlos Hyde's like rating in that if they adjust those preseason ratings. I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll go up from he, he'll go up quite a bit with yeah. uh, from that ETN injury. But my running back sleeper is going to be Najee Harris. He's ranked as ESPN's number twelve back, but he's got a legitimate chance to be a top seven or six back in this league uh, as far as fantasy goes. Uh, I know Pittsburgh likes throwing the ball a lot. But he's a guy that has, I mean, he's not bad when it comes to receiving. It's not something that he was really accustomed to at Alabama because he was that that, that brute, big workhorse guy for them. Uh, but, I mean, running the ball as well. I mean, he's a guy that has a legitimate shot to get 250 to 300 touches this year at the running, running back position. And if he just averages, I mean, 3.7 yards per carry to four, I mean, that's already, I mean, I guess now with the, an extra game, it's going to be even more, but like 1,300, 1,400 yards. Uh, and that's just even without the, the receiving. So, I mean, if he gets there, that's definitely going to be that wide receiver seven or not wide receiver, running back seven to five spot as far as fantasy goes. Now on to wide receiver. All right. My wide receiver sleeper is going to be Tyler Lockett. He's, uh, I think uh, I was looking at CBS when I did my stuff. So that's what I'm going off. Uh, ranked 21. Um, last year, he was number eight. All right. It, it might not seem like a lot, but this is first round value. You're getting back for a guy ranked 21. And I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. If Russell Wilson is cooking, so is this guy. You got to remember that. Yeah. Um, for me, I have two. Uh, so I'll start with Michael Pittman. He struggled with injury last year, but when he was healthy, he put up very good numbers. He's currently the number 47 wide receiver, according to DraftKings. I definitely think he'll finish higher than that if he's able to stay healthy. T.Y. Hilton's aging. Paris Campbell's been fragile. If Wentz is healthy and he's able to build a rapport with Pittman Jr., I think Pittman Jr. is going to have a very solid, possibly top 20-25 upside season. And the other one is Marcus Callaway. Marcus Callaway, I believe, has been pretty much number one receiver with uh, Michael Thomas out in that offense for New Orleans, uh, especially if Jameis Winston start, I believe that helps a lot. Jameis loves him. Can, yeah. Callaway's a guy who's, you know, a deep threat and Jameis Winston, as we know, loves throwing the deep ball. Sometimes it bites him, but Callaway's a guy who could have crazy upside as the number 74 ranked receiver right now on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. I think he's been ranked Callaway at 50. So a bit of a jump there, but still, uh, there's, I mean, yeah. big, Big, Even uh, at 50, I think he'd be exactly. a sleeper. So. Yeah. Uh, my wide receiver sleeper is actually going to be Odell Beckham. He was ranked as ESPN's 33rd wide receiver in fantasy for PPR, and I think that's kind of absurd. I mean, Odell, I mean, yeah, he's a memeable guy because of some interesting stuff that he's done and <laughs> likes or whatever. Uh, and, yeah, he was hurt last year, but this guy – He's Odell Beckham. He lives up to his name when he's healthy. And I know there were some games last year when uh, when he, he was down and didn't play well, but that's also when the Browns didn't hit their, their click. And once they clicked is once he got hurt. I know it doesn't look well, 
But, I mean, they're only going to be better with him this year. So, I mean, if Baker finds a way to continue to give him the ball, I think Odell is going to be a, a top 15 to top 12 wide receiver in the league once it comes down to it at the end of this year. Next up, tight end. All right, my tight end is going to be Adam Trotman from the Saints. Uh, right now, he's number 18 ranked tight end. And you know Sean Payton uses tight ends every other play. This is the only guy remaining after the cap dump from last year. So he's going to get some touches. Uh, I also like that pick from Skyler. He was a guy I was thinking about, but I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard, who is number 13 on DraftKings. Last year finished as a top 10 with Zach Ertz still there. Zach Ertz is still there. Uh, Zach Ertz is aging, and Zach Ertz at some point this season might be gone. There was rumors he requested a trade. I don't really think it matters in the case of Goddard. I still think he's a top eight, seven tight end, possibly even higher. I think he has great upside. Young quarterback. Young quarterbacks typically like to use safety blankets. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts now is a year in the system. He knows Goddard. Could be a good connection. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the tight end rankings, and they have the top 25 for ESPN. Mm -hmm. And so – Zach Ertz wasn't even that top 25. And so if people are drafting off of that, I think Zach Ertz could be a possible sleeper, but also you might have that one dude in your yeah. fantasy league that sees Zach Ertz is here in round nine. Yeah. Let me go cop him, uh, which would be a complete reach. Uh, but with that being said, my fantasy sleeper for tight end is going to be someone who the saints actually lost in their offense last year. And that's Jared cook. He's ranked as ESPN's 22nd tight end in their PPR rankings. He's in LA now. And uh, the chargers, they have a very vertical offense. They like throwing the football. That's how they scored a lot of points last year. I mean, the running back is a better receiver than he is a runner. So they're going to throw the football. I know they don't use the tight ends that much. And that's one of the reasons why Hunter Henry left, but Jared cook can play wide receiver, man. This guy is really, really good. He's a guy that can go up and, and catch a lot of footballs. Uh, I mean, Mike Mike Williams and him are relatively similar, and like they, they're just gonna not go deep, but like be jump ball guys a lot of the time. But Jared Cook's good, and for twenty second ranked tight end over some of the guys that I saw, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely taking Jared yeah, Cook. To be one hundred percent fair, I like both your sleepers more than mine. So if you guys are listening, listen to them more. Oh yeah, but gang. for the tight ends at least, for the tight ends, yeah. I also like Jared Cook a lot because he's really good with the Raiders. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Might be a little bit biased. Uh, on to the busts. Let's do QB <laughs> first. All right. My quarterback is going to be Justin Herbert. Uh, I think he's going to have a great season. Um, but the problem is he's being drafted in the top three rounds. Uh, and we've already seen injuries to Mike Williams, Rayshon Slater, and Corey Lindsley. I think it's going to be a down year for the Chargers. Um and I think he can find value other places. Like you said, even your guys' picks of Justin Fields and uh, uh, Trey Lance. Yeah. Uh, you can find better value in round 12 than the third round for a quarterback, you know. Yeah, I, I'm a believer of taking quarterback later than earlier in fantasy drafts. And I believe this guy, Jalen Hurts, is another guy taken a little too early just because people see the crazy upside he had in a couple games from last year. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to run the ball. He's going to be a dual threat guy, but I don't believe he has quite the arm talent to be taken where he's been taken. I believe he's the number nine ranked. Uh, he's either nine or 10, according to DraftKings. I don't see him as that. I think there's a lot more guys, veterans, you can take later and get better value. All righty. Uh, my QB was ranked as ESPN's fourth 
QB in, in all of football. That's Dak Prescott. And the sad thing about this is I really, really like Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott's a really good quarterback. I think he's obviously one of the main reasons why Dallas's offense was so good last year until he got hurt. Uh, but four, I mean, there's too many things that can go wrong with, with Dak Prescott here. I mean, they have guys like Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson ranked below him. And those guys I have been so consistent within the last three years that it's just so hard to put Dak ahead of those guys for me. I mean, if he's the way that he, he was last year and he's the number one fantasy quarterback, I mean, I'm not going to be completely upset because I, I, I hope he does the best, but Dak Prescott with the injury, I mean, it's just so hard to, to see him being, being able to play a full season no matter what it is and being able to maintain a relatively close stature to what that was last year with him to start the season. So he, he is my QB bust. Alrighty. After that, now we go to running backs. Who's the biggest bust is running backs. Guy. All right. I'm going to go with Najee Harris. I know you're not going to like this one, Kyle, but his average oh. draft position is number 15. This guy has no offensive line and look at what the Steelers did last year. We thought that Connor was going to be a big player. All they did was throw short passes. Okay. If you want a good, Okay. Okay. Kyle, you're freaking me out right now with your faces, but hear me out. If you want a guy who's going to get touches, maybe not as many as him, but you could find a, a goal line back specifically for touchdowns. Who's going to be close in fantasy points later in the draft. You could even find a, like, uh, I think Brett was talking about this earlier. Uh, Lindsay in Houston. I mean, who else is going to be on the Paul. Has I'm actually Paul. That's, that's, that's Paul, a Paul yeah. take right there. Yeah, actually, well, I actually like Paul's take. The guy I was talking about was um, Williams from uh, Denver. Okay. Yeah, he sucks. Are uh, you good? Yeah. Okay, okay. So I'll go on to mine. Once again, I have two. I'll keep it short and simple. These guys are very similar in my opinions. Number 16 and 17, respectively, on DraftKings, Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs. Sanders, his running back coach, has already hinted at a committee. Struggled last year with fumbles. He's going to be there, he's going to have some both catches and carries taken from him. Struggled with drops a little bit last year as well as the fumbles. Don't like him going as high as he is. The other one's Josh Jacobs. Guy was pretty touchdown dependent, not great in PPR formats just because he doesn't see a lot of passes thrown his way, doesn't receive a lot of catches. And Kenyon Drake's no there. Kenyon Drake's definitely going to take some carries, more of a speed guy. Jacob should see the goal line carries, which is good, but he might not get the catches or touches he had last year. I mean, I I do see Jacobs. I, I do think he's gonna, not going to be as good as he was last year as his yeah. rookie year. But I think he probably should get more touchdowns this year because the Raiders' offense should be better. Yeah, I assume. And so he has been like that, like that ultimate punch it in guy. Uh, his his first two years in the league, I feel like half of his rushing touchdowns have been from one yard. Yeah, uh, so there is uh, Jacob's games though. It seems like he either had three touch or like two touchdowns or none though, mm-hmm. which to me is kind of scary. I think I think Gruden likes throwing the ball a lot. To yeah. be honest, like near the goal line, like I think Darren Waller is going to have another amazing season. I hope so. But I, for me, it's just the losing some touches and the lack of PPR production for Jacobs. Yeah, I'm fair with that. Uh, my running back that is going to be the bust is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I like Jonathan Taylor a lot, but Jonathan Taylor is ranked as the number eight running back in fantasy. If he's able to have the same amount of carries uh, as he would have in a, in a 17 game season season or whatever it is, 
uh, as he did last year, I think he would have been completely fine. But last year, there was a, no Marlon Mack in the equation because he got hurt. And Heem Hines was someone that wasn't really completely in the conversation as well because he was off and on with injury. So, I mean, with those two guys in the backfield, he's not going to get the same running back splits as as you might have thought going into the season. Taylor's a special running back, but I do not think he's going to be at that number eight spot, according to ESPN. I think a more realistic spot would be 11 to 13. I see a lot of people trying to take this guy in the first round. Next up, wide receiver. All right. My wide receiver is going to be A.J. Brown. Julio Jones is in town. Obviously, that's going to take away some touches, but that's not the real argument I'm trying to make here. Uh, A.J. Brown's going to be great. Uh, the problem is the scoring opportunities are going to be gone. And uh, I, the comparison I want to make is look what happened to Mike Evans when Brady and company came into town. You know, we went from wide receiver four to 24. Uh, still a great season, but it's just not the kind of production you want out of your top 10 receiver. Pretty sure Mike Evans was still pretty damn good last year. Yeah, but I think he was 23 or 24 still. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my guy, I'm, I just realized I'm an idiot and I forgot to include my research on this, but my guy is Mike Evans. Just a little too much touchdown dependency for me. I think Antonio Brown is going to be a lot better and more involved in the offense this year. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about him coming out of camp. I don't think he'll ever return to, you know, Pittsburgh AB form, but I think he's definitely going to have a stronger year, which will take away some of Evans targets, touchdowns, all that. Evans still think will be a good receiver, but just not quite at the value people are taking him at right now. My most overrated guy or most likely to bust guy is going to be CD lamb. They have him ranked as number wide receiver, number 12 in ESPN fantasy. I do think CD lamb's going to be good, but I think the more like 18 to 25 spot is going to be a lot more fitting for him. I see I mean, they have him ranked over Amari Cooper. They have him ranked over both uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I ha- they have him ranked over DJ Moore, who I think is going to have a really good year. They have him ranked, ranked way higher over Julio Jones, which, I mean, I feel like we kind of forget about how good Julio Jones is uh-huh. when he's healthy. Uh, Tyler Lockett is another guy that they have ranked below him. I mean, Cortland Sutton, even at 26, uh, I think it's kind of disrespectful for Cortland Sutton, even though he did have a torn ACL last year, so he didn't play at all. But I think all those guys I just named have a very good chance of being higher than CD Lamb. And that's not even all the guys that could have been could have been there. Uh so I hope CD Lamb does great because I like him as a player, but I don't think he's gonna live up to that. ESPN twelfth ranked. Did you uh, mention Amari Cooper? Sorry, I kind of spaced yeah. for a second. Okay, because mm-hmm. I, I personally think Cooper will be the number one receiver from Dallas. Same as he should. Next up. Tight end, or lastly, tight end, I guess. All right. Uh, my tight end is going to be TJ Hawkinson. He's uh, the consensus number four tight end. And it bugs me because consensus? I, around, I've, around, I've, seen, uh, I've seen Andrews at four. Oh, you have? Yeah. Okay. Over the, the couple of uh, I've seen rankings Pitts at I've four. looked through. I've seen him at number four. All right. Four or five. My bad, everybody. But uh, there's just not enough, again, not enough scoring opportunities in Detroit. You know, out of the tight end, if you don't have a Waller or a Kelsey or a Kittle who gets targeted 10 times a game, you're going to need touchdowns at the tight end spot. And you're just not going to get that with Hawkinson this year. So for me, it's going, Kyle's going, hey, man, I kind of hate myself for this, but it's Big Bob, Robert Tanyan, uh, Green Bay Packer tight end. Where they have him ranked Kyle, on a, on a, they had him ranked eighth. 
Okay, because ESPN has him 10, which I... Yeah, I think think he's probably going to be closer to, like, the 13, 14 range. Last year, he got 88% of his targets, which is insane for any wide receiver or tight end to catch 88% of their targets. Uh, I don't think that's going to be quite as repeatable. And that was only on 56 targets. And most of his points did come off touchdowns. One of the highest touchdown percentages per point production uh, of anyone, tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, all included. I think Tanyan's going to be good. I don't know if he's going to be a tight end one this year. That's the problem I have with him. I, I just don't think he's going to have that same production on only 56 targets. Like yeah. last you year. stream them when they're facing the Vikings Yeah, and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> My wide receiver bust is going to be Kyle Pitts. Uh, I do think the sixth ranking, this is a weird one for me because I, uh-huh. I, I like most of these rankings for wide, for uh, tight ends. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be like just around that area as far as tight end production goes. But it's a big or, difference in, in rounds. People you know, are for tight taking ends. him in, in drafts now. Early. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, it, Pitts is... I mean, he, he's got a chance to be one of the best tight ends in the league, obviously. But as of right now, he's not better than Hawkinson. He's not better than Andrews. He's not better than the top three, obviously. And I I've, feel like there's decent cases that people can make uh, for fantasy-wise this year for guys like Logan Thomas, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant, and Bob Tanyan. I mean, I, I understand the cases. Tyler and, uh No, Tyler Croft. No. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Kyle Pitts. I mean, he should be good, but as good as what people are taking him in drafts, I don't think so. I think the reason for him going so high is the comparisons he's drawn to the top three guys. Like, yeah. that's where people project him as. And after those first three guys, you probably shouldn't take a tight end for a while, no matter who it is, whether it's Hawkinson or Andrews. There's just such a big drop off from those top three. And I think people, you know, expect Pitts to at some point be those top three guys out there taking him early, hoping he mm-hmm. will be. And I just don't think that's going to happen quite. And yet. this isn't a dynasty league. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the, the Kelsey Waller Kittle combo are like the production of top tier wide receiver ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what people Especially forget about. Kelsey, like, yeah. like those guys are all, they at and least Waller, actually, give you wide receiver 1.5 uh, production. Like they're, they're going to be beasts. As long and, as they're healthy, uh, and then there's quite a bit of a drop off. Uh, yeah, Mark so Andrews that's what is makes, good. That's what makes him so valuable. Is it's exactly. that drop off, the you positional a, matchup. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're able to hit in later rounds on wide receivers and running backs uh, on guys that maybe you pick up on the waiver wire or whatever injuries happen, and that's how people win leagues: is they have the positional mis- positional mismatches and they take advantages of the other ones. All right. You guys ready for the laps and the bull predictions? Then let's get out of here. Uh huh. All righty. So we had a very good week uh, last week as far as our layups went. We went three for three. I had the Yankees winning the series over the Twins. The Yankees swept the Twins over the weekend. Skeller had the, the Yankees over the Twins on Thursday. That was Tyon versus Kenta Maeda. That did happen. So Skeller got a green for that. And Brett had the Dodgers finish the sweep of the Pirates. That did happen. Now, on to this week where I chose Otani and the Angels to beat the O's on Wednesday. Kind of taking the easy route here because the Orioles may or may not have lost 18 in a row at this point. And they are going against uh, one of the best pitchers in the league in Shohei. So, uh, kind of tough. It's a smart pick. Uh, I am also making a smart pick here. I'm taking Boston over Minnesota on Thursday. Chris Sale gets the start. I believe that's 
second will be second start of the year or third? Three. Third. Anyways. I think he's, he's third. He's had two already. Yeah, he's been solid so far. And okay. uh, Minnesota sucks. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing this to produce bad energy for the A's so that they <laughs> will do good. This is some reverse uh, yes, psychology. Um, so I'm taking the Yankees to beat the A's. I've never picked against the A's before, but I'm hoping they take this as motivation. They can feel me. So I'm taking the Yankees to beat the A's in the A's first Sunday night baseball game and I believe around 10 years. I'm not sure who's starting for the Yankees. Frankly, I don't really care, but the Yankees Montgomery. are hot. And they're facing uh, Paul Blackburn. Mm. And so Paul Blackburn's going to hear this and absolutely shove. Can't wait. Exactly. Paul Blackburn, I assume he's probably going to be throwing 94, 95 now rather than his usual yeah. 89, 90 mile an hour fastballs. Uh, just because that motivation that Brett gave. Uh, so days went on Sunday. You know who to thank. Now on to our bold predictions, and I got mine right, which I'm happy about. The rest of the guys did not. Uh, I had the Red Sweep in the Marlins. Uh, that, that series was in Cincinnati. I'll talk a little bit more about that series uh, with my bold prediction this week. Skyler had the Dodgers sweep the Mets. Uh, they won the three out of four. Really, really good this year at taking the last game of series before they get swept. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did that. So. Skyler almost got his right. Brett had the Panthers and PJ Walker snap the Ravens preseason streak. That I will think never the happen. Panthers were held <laughs> to three points. I, I believe it was 19 to three. So, uh, yeah. The Ravens PJ will Walker, never lose a preseason game again. As yeah, long as Harbaugh's there. <laughs> True. I mean, it's, it's the winning nature. That's how it is. Now on to this week. Uh, well, it might be a little bit of deja vu when I say the Reds sweep the Marlins. Because last week they were in Cincinnati, and this week they are in Miami for that series. Reds are hot. Marlins suck. Uh, if the Reds face Jesus Cesardo, they'll probably score a lot of runs. Uh, so, yeah, Reds sweep the Marlins. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew starts week one for Jacksonville. I think Urban Meyer trusts him. I think that the playbook's going to be more open than Trevor Lawrence, especially what we've seen so far. And believe it or not, I think Urban Meyer might be on the hot seat. If uh, I know, I know what you're thinking. I believe they're either the worst or the second worst team in the NFL right now. Uh, we heard what Kyle had to say about them, but I think if they have another terrible season, Urban Meyer might get fired. So I think Urban Meyer is going to do whatever he can to win. And I think Gardner Minshew gives him the best option. I'm going to one up Skyler and say CJ Beathard is named as the starting quarterback, <laughs> number one rated preseason quarterback. Of course, I'm kidding. CJ Beathard's not good. I'm going with the White Sox to sweep the Cubs. Yeah, that's Alrighty. all we got for uh, this episode. Episode 50. I 50. mean, our socials, Twitter is at Max Sports. Uh, Instagram's at Max Sports. YouTube and yep. TikTok are Immaculate Sports. Uh-huh. Go check out the TikTok. There's was just a new one posted yesterday. And there should be some more coming out within the next uh, few days and as long as we keep on doing yeah. this uh, episode 50, though, the get ready for the full NFL season in-depth preview there for episode go. 51. All of that in capital uh, full in-depth preview of the NFL season mm-hmm. in 21 slash or dash 22 yeah. should be fun. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Go Jets. Deuces.